Well, hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and it's showtime here in beautiful Berks County, right near southeast Pennsylvania, Delaware Valley. Folks, on this beautiful global warming Saturday, it's been a wonderful global warming year. Uh, we've had a wonderful summer, a great winter. The last three years, uh, are, it's just been a great weather-wise. It's been a great for us here in the in the Northeast, and we just we're thankful here for for our climate and uh, for for the sunny days we enjoy and uh, for the for the for the moderate temperatures we enjoy as well. But folks, we're here today because we know that we are the source for authenticity and exactitude. And our listeners tune in every week because they know they're going to get the truth at the speed of sound. And that's what's really interesting to so many of you. And that's why you've been tuning into us for the last five years. We're, uh, we're a place for, we're an oasis of truth. We're an oasis of truth, folks. That's why you tune in. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the Trump, uh, the, uh, the, the GOP debate, obviously, and what wasn't asked and the questions that were there and of course we're going to talk about the election interference with trump's newest indictment and the goal of election interference we're going to get into that and uh we may get to if we don't get to on this show but we may get to the uh the new lawsuit that's pending right now in hawaii because right now the uh what happened with the fire was uh was pretty was pretty bad <laughs> it was pretty bad in hawaii we were talking last week about how you know how the uh, fire was the uh, was the result of um, was the result of incompetency in government. That's what we were told last week about the fire. And folks, I think we can all know now it truly was the 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 the, the problem of that. I, I think we can all now understand that, folks. And we're going to get to that either in this show or the next show. But we're going to talk about the government mediocrity at its worst and how incompetent governments. Uh, can basically uh, ruin the lives of people that vote for them. I think that's really compelling. But I do want to jump into the debate a little bit. We want to talk a little bit about what happened. Well, first off, what didn't happen, okay? We didn't have any real substantive questions at all on the economy, on rising gas prices, on rising crime rates, on the on the infliction, if you will, the suffering of the of the of the uh, of the people of this country, basically with donkey pox, which is giving us all high crime rates, high mortgage rates, high inflation rates, uh, you know, high energy prices, um, as well as high inflation nation, as well as a whole lot worse than that, a whole lot more that they, they plan on killing us. But, uh, you know, th th those questions didn't make the debate, folks. I mean, what, what was the first question in the debate? Well, it was some uh, high school kid or some freshman in college who was fresh off the uh, climate change crusade that his high school teacher just instilled in him. I mean, i.e., we're killing our planet, ocean levels are rising. Uh, in spite of what you see with clean air and clean water, folks, uh, the forest fires, if you will, the raging fires in Hawaii were the result of climate change and so on. And, and you know, what's really compelling in all of this is that, you know, they didn't talk a lot about fires of history past, you know, like the great Wisconsin forest fire of 1871. We know that was not climate change. We also know that the 30-year drought in the Salt River Canyon, Arizona, was not the result of climate change. But what, what I can tell you, folks, is what is the number one, uh, the one, number one, um, had, what, what element has the number one effect, if you will, the largest effect on our, on our climate is the sun. The sun does heat and cool the planet. The sun does heat the planet, and obviously uh, effects of the sunlight, if you will, uh, you know, solar flares and so forth, 
can affect the temperature of this planet, however it is. We also know that volcanoes erupting and then so forth, whether they be in the ocean or above the land, volcanoes erupting also throw out all kinds of CO2. We, we know that CO2 has been around since creation because we know that CO2 is what feeds the plant life. We know that. So we know that CO2 in the atmosphere is healthy because the plant life needs it to, to breathe. And of course, we need the plant life for oxygen so we can breathe. So we can get into climate, we can get into how the climate, the weather patterns are affecting the society and how people are just scared. I, I talked to one person one time about the rising ocean levels in Miami being underwater. This person actually believed that Florida was sinking. I, I, I make, make no mistake about it. I reassured them that there is no place on planet Earth today that is underwater today that was not underwater 100 years ago. I mean, I, that's just what we can figure out. But folks, I, I think we need, to, we need to ascertain the fact that the, and understand that the Fox News debate, the very first question was from a kid who said, do you believe in climate change? Now, I want to get into the fact that Republicans have struggled with this question for so long, and I don't understand why. And maybe it's because they don't understand the basic elements of, 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 of how this planet is. And the fact that oceans help put off co2 and that like i said to the like i mentioned earlier how mankind has an effect on about they estimate of course we don't have a consensus of scientists on this we have a an agreement with scientists on this a, an overall agreement on with scientists on this that man does not affect more than 10 percent of the co2 that is in the atmosphere today the other 90 percent is produced naturally on planet earth uh so that's the truth that we can bank on in denver folks and so when you're trying to say that man caused climate change uh when when man only affects 10 percent roughly 10 percent of the of the co2 uh, output in this in this country in this world uh then we have to uh, we have to ask ourselves um how can um how can elements that produce 10 percent of anything um affect the outcome of something to, of, against uh, that which pr controls 90% of anything, okay? I mean, I, there may be a slight variance there. I guess maybe there is the ability for things to be affected slightly. But folks, make no mistake, it's just an alarmist, it's an alarmist technology. I should say it's an alarmist uh, mentality. These uh, green cretins on the left, these Jacobin green cretins want to put a wet blanket on our economic output so they've been doing this with the EPA. See, the EPA has been around since 1977 or thereabouts, and it was created by the Democrats. And the EPA uh, was needed, I guess, because we needed to clean up the environment. Um, I remember as a child, uh, textile mills dumping into the rivers and so forth. And I just remember how bad the environment was at the time. I remember the air quality was horrible at the time. And they were talking about acid rain. And how acid rain was killing and browning up the planet, and the planet was browning and cooling off. We were we had global cooling, or you know, it wasn't it wasn't climate change. It was it was global. It was it was it was basically the reoccurrence of an ice age, if you will, with with the climate but with global browning at the time. Well, through the years, through the next, I want to say, twenty five years, we have really developed technology to clean the environment. And this technology has enabled us to have the cleanest environment today, today, that we have had in this world, 
okay, let alone this country, the world, in the last 100 years. That's the truth that we can bank on in Denver as well. So these are not facts that these climate change, green cretins, these Jacobins, this is their religion. This is not something they want to to discuss because this debunks their religion. And there's nothing worse. I mean, false religion is sort of like fake news. There is no real pursuit of truth, okay? There is no real pursuit of truth. So anyway, uh, the first question was on that. And of course, uh, Republicans, uh, they didn't know how to answer that. And then, uh, then the next question, I believe, was about abortion. And none of the questions, I mean, it literally, quite literally, the first hour was a big joke. And what I thought was interesting was the plan, if you will, of the media is to uh, take a two-hour debate and know whatever whatever audience they had. I guess Nielsen said Fox News had 15 million that watched that debate. Um, they estimate that probably as many as, well, maybe a half or more tune, in, tune out after the first hour. Very few people hang in there for the whole two hours. They just don't. Um, so, and obviously, if they're talking about climate change and uh, abortion, I can assure you folks, uh, I think we can all be assured of the fact that most Republicans will be tuning out after the first hour. That was the plan. What's interesting is you can see the Republicans um, uh, are now um, are now in alliance with the Democrats to try to help. I mean, I'm talking about the Rhino Republicans, not not the America First Republicans. The Rhino Republicans are at work, skillfully at work, trying to keep the American public from getting information. Uh, real perspectives, if you will, what's going on in America and the world today. They don't want to talk about it. So in order to keep the public from being informed, they, they have to take the audience from 15 million down to 7 or 8 million. And then, of course, maybe even less than that, because by the time they get any real substantive facts, there was only about 40 minutes left of the debates. So I, I would submit, folks, I don't have those I don't have those numbers, but I would submit that the numbers at the end of the debate well, likely about five or six million tuned in versus 15 million at the beginning. Now, what I think is interesting is the fake news, uh, again, fake being not pursuing truth, the not pursuant of truth news, the, the, the Jacobin news, if you will, the, prop, the propaganda, they are out there today. They're trying to say, well, we had 15 million people. But the truth is, folks, they had half as many as they had at the Republican um, at the, at they had that they had a previous debates, if you will, Republican primary debates, like the twenty sixth to twenty fifteen debate, the first one that that election cycle, that one had nearly thirty million people tuned into it. Uh, after eight years of Barack Hussein Obama and Joe o. Biden, the communists, we had uh, basically uh, thirty million people tuned into that first Republican debate and watched Donald Trump trounced the other Republicans and obviously uh, set the uh, set the pace, if you will, or set the stage, if you will, for for low for low energy Jeb. OK, we can all go on and on about those debates. But I, I want to point that out because it's, it's something significant. I mean, they couldn't get to the real substance of the facts. I just can't believe that they wasted their time, that, that they wasted their energy, wasted their time with, uh, you know, with the. Uh, you know, with, with, with these questions of, of no substance. I just can't believe that. And I, I think what we have to realize is, you know, we, 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 we got to know that they're wasting, okay, America, okay, uh, the, wasting Americans' attention span because Americans don't, they don't tune in that long. And, uh, you know, they, Americans generally are, are avoiding, if you will. They're not, 
they're just they, they're not getting the perspective they need they don't get the facts they don't get the truth and therefore they don't know but anyway um it's interesting and i i want to get into these indictments a little bit i got to talk a little bit about that because i think that's very important as well but but they really got into that i think when they in their second hour they spent 20 minutes talking about donald trump and again uh that's what I mean. They didn't get any. They didn't get any facts or substance on anything. But I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that because, you know, the contrast uh, Fox News pitiful immigration questions in the debate with, with the questionnaire. I mean, the bottom line is uh, Fox questions were superficial and in an after in an afterthought on on the issues. I mean, that's the bottom bottom line. It was just they were bad. In addition, the to the laughable failed handling of the actual flow of the debate, the moderators. Brett and Martha, okay, were 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 showing embarrassing how badly Fox did uh, with it. I thought what was interesting was that uh, Tucker Carlson had a whole lot more than that watching his his uh, interview with Donald Trump. But when GOP members of Congress are openly saying on record publicly that the Fox News Channel is censoring them because they're Trump supporters, they're keeping Trump supporters at, out of the spin rooms because Trump avoided debate. I thought that was interesting. So they're going to try to punish Trump by saying, okay, we're not going to let his people in the spin room. It's just, I mean, this is election interference. And I, I think when you look in the, if you look into the dictionary, if you look up the phrase election interference, it would be uh, something like this. Okay. It would be something like staging debates, making it look like you're all in favor of uh, uh, informed perspectives being put out there. Uh, of course, <clears throat> they're not being put out there, but you're doing what you can to put the facade up. They're hypocrites. Uh, they're liars, okay? But I think what's even more compelling is when you look at this indictment and you look at how how this Georgia indictment went and this district attorney went and how they how they lied about, they basically misinterpreted or misstated the the question that Donald Trump asked of his uh, of the Secretary of State. and 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 you know, but whatever the case is, asking the Secretary of State to do a recount, asking the Secretary of State, to back go back through the votes and find eleven thousand votes is hardly against the law, and I just think it's very interesting that they tried to make that point. Now they did all this. They did all this show. Okay, they they had the uh, they had the arrest photos, if you will. That's what they're calling them. Something else. I won't call them that, but they're calling the arrest photos of all these people. Uh, you know, they called Donald Trump. They said, oh, you know, of course, uh, you know, uh, John Bolton made the comment. Oh, he looks like a thug. Well, okay, um, they're relishing in it. Uh, you know, they, they know they're, they're looking past it. They've already shaken off all the all the the evidence of election interference. They they don't want to see it. They don't care. It's their plan to interfere with the election. It's their plan to keep Donald Trump preoccupied with these indictments. It's their plan. It's their plan to do this. They had years in which they could have brought these cases to trial. I mean, remember, it's been it's been three years now. Okay, next year will be the fourth year. It's been three years. Okay, that they've been producing this whatever case, and they waited till the election cycle. And if you look at the timing of when they want to have these hearings and these actual trials, it begins in January, right on through March. When you look at the primary season and when Super Tuesday is, and when all the delegates will be selected. By the bottom line is, they want Trump to be so. Um, you know, so uh, preoccupied, if you will, with um, you know, so preoccupied with this with this nonsense that they're they're willing to 
They just say, okay. I mean, they're wanting to keep it preoccupied. Well, let me help you folks. Um, this is election interference at its worst. And this and this is so obvious. Republicans, um, we see it. And, and look, I, I'm, not, I'm not any special, brilliant, you know, rocket scientist that I can see this. I'm, I'm simply pointing out the obvious. The obvious is very, it's glaring. The truth is glaring. Okay, the fact that the timing of all of this, the fact of not just the timing, but also the very fact of flimsiness of the case itself. You know, it's interesting. You've got to have a crime to have any kind of investigation. <clears throat> but they did investigations without a crime. This is the truth you can know. You know, usually in, in, in standard justice systems in America, in the, in the justice system in our country, a crime has to be committed before an investigation ensues. Well, the, the no justice department, okay, and, and of course the no justice district attorneys in the state of Georgia and elsewhere, uh, in Manhattan, if you will, are pursuing what is not, pursuing investigations without a crime. They're pursuing investigations to find evidence of a crime. Now, when you think about it like that, you have to understand that is so super illegal. I mean, unbelievable. When they're investigating people, they have, and they're doing this, they're tying up taxpayer money, they're doing the investigation. When they're all they're trying to say is that, well, he knew all along he lost the election. Well, I don't believe that. I don't think Americans believe that. I think Americans believe it. I think Donald Trump believes it. if you put a if you put a lie detector on Trump, if you wide him up to a polygraph test, I believe he would pass with flying colors. If they asked the question, did you do you believe that you that Joe Biden got 81 million votes? He would say no. Do you believe you won the election? Yes. If they asked him, do you believe that cheating took place with the mail-in ballots? Yes. If they were to ask, do you believe cheating took place with the electronic voting machines? Yes. You see, he would he would pass with flying colors. The fact is, to hold someone accountable for, for, for a crime, if you will, now, I'm, I'm talking about the one here in Georgia. This is very compelling. Because there is no crime. He didn't do anything but make a phone call. That's really all he did. And, of course, they had their investigations. They had, I should say, then they had their attorneys that were doing investigations behind the scenes, if you will, trying to get information from voting places and state legislatures and other things. And basically uh, watching, pr promoting the actual hearings, because remember, Georgia had hearings in the state Senate and in the state assembly. They had hearings on all of this. And they actually had a guy in. See, nobody wants to talk about this, but they actually had a person in Georgia come to the House assembly and go in there and actually, I believe it was Georgia or it might have been Michigan. It was one of the two places. Could have been Georgia or Michigan, but it was either Georgia or Michigan where they had a person came in and actually took a voting booth and changed vote totals, flipped votes. They had that happen. Now, the fact is these things were hooked up to machines. It can happen. Everyone knows that. Now, it's also compelling <laughs> when you look at the very fact that many of these excuse me, many of these people in, uh, you know, that own these voting machines do not want, will not let, will not allow, okay, uh, the public to do an, a genuine audit of the machines. They actually prevent a thorough investigation of these machines. I find that compelling. You know, I, I can tell you, uh, in Berks County here, we've had hearings, okay, on these machines and these ESNS that we have here in Pennsylvania or Berks County, we have ESNS machines, and they, uh, you know, they had their people show up at the, you know, at the at the yeah, the, at the city at city hall to testify on the validity and the 
and the integrity of their machines. And we have people from the Burke GOP that actually attended these meetings uh, questioning the, the validity and the veracity of these machines. And when you look at barcodes, you have to understand how the machine works. And this is what we all are concerned about. And Trump made the comment with Tucker Carlson. He said, we got to go back to paper ballots because what Trump understands about all of this, as I'm explaining it, uh, you'll understand. So what it is, is you get this blank piece of paper that's in the shape of a computerized ballot, and then you pop it in the machine and you do your selections, and then the ballot prints off, and you can see your selections on the on the piece of paper. And then you also see barcodes that are next to that. Then you put that paper, that ballot, if you will, in a scanning machine, and the scanning machine then reads the barcodes and tabulates the votes. Now, the problem I have is that the barcodes are the problem because you have to realize the way it used to be in the in the uh, the way the uh, the old voting machines, like the ones in Florida, the butterfly ballots, uh, they were hole punched. You would hole punch your ballot out, and of course, they would run through tabulation machines, and those tabulation machines would register where the holes were punched out. And that was where the uh, the votes took place. They actually were pretty dark. They were pretty accurate. Uh, but when you're reading barcodes, anything can be wrong in a barcode. A smudge, okay, on a barcode can cause a barcode to not be read correctly. It can happen. They certainly can also have a barcode that's not correct, or or an individual if they wanted to fraudulently put together an election outcome, they could simply say, "Let's change the barcode." one out of every 20 votes, one out of every 30 votes. The barcode just tweaked a little bit to show the other candidate. Now, this is easily done in a computer program, you see. And so this is what we all understand. The pro- the computers that were programmed to, to, to read the barcodes are the same computers that are programmed, that can be programmed to change a, pro- a barcode, one, you know, three out of 100 or four out of 100 barcodes, which is enough to throw a close election. So we have to understand that the barcodes are not a source of of confidence for voters. They certainly are not for me. Uh, barcodes are correct most of the time if they're intended to be correct. But my question is, the people that are preparing these machines and putting these things together, are they really trying to get the accurate barcode? Are these machines being programmed without the handlers knowing anything? There's so much There's so much to look at and unpack here. I really don't want to get into all that other than the fact that we want to go back to paper ballots where, you, where the only mistake that could possibly be is a man error, okay? Uh, and, of course, when you're using counters, you can have counters, you know, basically multiple counters, and that minimizes the risk of error. Or you can go back to hole punches like they did years ago. However they can do it, they can put together uh, an election counting system that is 99.9% accurate, or even 99.5% accurate. I'm not so sure... I mean, the accuracy on a computer uh, can be 100% or it can be 50% or it can be 97%, whatever they want it to be. And this is what people that run that understand computers, they understand that. So anyway, so in the indictments, they put this indictment together in Georgia and they try to make it so they, the district attorney leaves out the, the real statement that Trump made. I mean, and the real question that was asked, but they just tweaked it a little bit to make it look like Trump was trying to pressure the the, the attorney general, I should say the secretary of state. I mean, no doubt that Trump called the, the guy and said, what is going on here? Um, I need you to, to recount some of this. We're not getting good reads in from some of these counties. Um, can you double check some of these counts? Can can you recount these? And, and asking for recounts. I mean, candidates do it all the time. 
There's nothing uncommon about it. As a matter of fact, in 2000, there were recounts going on in Florida before the courts even ordered recounts. Okay, we know that. We know that they were recounting ballots in Florida before they, they got into the court hearings, if you will, of the recounts. We know that. So basically, any time now that you question an election outcome, it's going to be suspect if it's subjected, if you will, to a local district attorney. They're setting horrible precedents here. This election interference is not the pursuit of justice or the truth, okay? Like the Pharisees were in, 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 in Mark, if you will. You look at the book of Mark, I believe, chapter 12, and you look in there how— um, how when the Pharisees were trying to trick Jesus into saying, well, do we, should, should we be paying taxes to Rome? Uh, Jesus called them hypocrites. And the bottom line is they, they were not really in pursuit of truth. They just pretended to be in pursuit of truth. Well, I believe these election officials are also hypocrites. They're pretending to pursue truth. They really aren't interested. I believe these media moguls, if you will, and the reporters that do these interviews and that do that that do the news stories a quote-unquote fake news stories or news stories they're not in pursuit of truth they're really not i mean what you see today is a is a complete reprobate society run amok okay this is what i would say is a reprobate society run amok and it's really tragic because we see this and we understand as americans uh the, the the fear that we all have that these elections won't count okay um you know and you can go and you can get more information on this, but I know when Doug Mastriano did his hearings in Gettysburg, he had technical experts, I believe Phil Waldron and his White Hat Brigade, uh, I believe that's what they called them. They were technical experts that broke down these machines and said, yes, these algorithms can be affected. They actually showed where the where the tabulation uh, signals were coming from. They showed they were coming from overseas. They showed how they were bouncing from server to server, changing the voting totals in these machines right here in Pennsylvania. Now, in addition to all of that, we have a mail-in ballot system, which is a bacterial soup, if you will, of election fraud. Because here in Pennsylvania, they mail these ballots to everybody, okay? Um, if you will, I mean, anybody who, who, you know, basically, if you've requested a ballot before, you're going to get another one. The problem is if you've moved and you didn't change your address effectively, so the House gets ballots for people that well, they don't live there anymore. And because the cities are so transient, it's not uncommon for an apartment in a four-year period to have three or four different residents in it. So they may be getting ballots for two, three, four different people. And if you've got a crooked individual there wanting to do mail-ins, they'll do their own mail-in. They'll do the mail-ins for the other families that the ballots were sent there. And so because they're automatic, this is what happens. And so verifying signatures is a must. And it does not occur on mail-in ballots. It just doesn't. There, you need machines, special machines to do mail-in ballots, I should say, to verify signatures. They're, they're what they call them signature verification machines. So they have to really have to put that together so that the signatures can be verified effectively. Um, and they have to be in the correct place. And obviously, the envelopes need to be prepared right. And the ballots need to be prepared right and mailed and correctly handled. All of this... Um, is left to, is prone for mistakes by people um, who really struggle, uh, I should say, to figure out how to fill out a job application, okay, or something like that. You know, these people are voting and they're not going to get their ballots correct. Many of them don't do it. Um, again, uh, my, uh, there are people that you actually, if you were to put, if you were to put a, a particular person in a, 
in a warehouse, if you will, and say, clean this floor. And here's two brooms. This one's for the corners and this one's for the main, the main part of the floor. There may be a person out of 500 or maybe even less, maybe out of 200 that you might have to tell which broom to use and when. Okay. I mean, these are the people doing mail-in ballots. Okay. So what ends up happening is they don't get the, they don't get the signatures. They don't get the, they don't get them right. They don't get, they don't process the envelopes right. So those ballots are supposed to be disqualified. You see, when your signature doesn't match your ballots disqualified, and then you are sent a notification to um, to go vote with a, or you should be sent a notification to go vote, a provisional ballot. Now, what's interesting is they don't do that. They count the ballots on election day. They should count the ballots and process the, t- the signatures as they get them, but they don't do that. They should have a system down to where they're able to do it so that if you mail your ballot in two weeks early, uh, you would know a week out or maybe four or five days before the election that your ballot wasn't counted because the signature didn't match instructing you to go to to do a provisional ballot or to go vote in person but that's not the system we got here see that would make sense if somebody was to put together an effective system that would be part of it okay to actually have machines that verify signatures so that uh, they could throw away all the ballots that the signatures didn't verify and of course they, the machines can be set on different settings that the settings can be set in a certain way uh to allow certain uh you know certain variances if you will in the signature like I, and look if i was to sign my name 10 times on a piece of paper with a ballpoint pen and i and on the same table in the same spot um you know in the same position if you will my arm in the same position and all if i was to do it 10 times my signature would be not exactly the same okay it would be different and and different variations of it but you can catch certain aspects of it and a signature verification machine actually measures certain characters like I mean, you know how I how I form my C because how I form my C is the same way. Like I mean, how I form my C is the same way I do it every time. And uh, you know my Y, and then of course my my letters on my name. But I mean, how I do my E's and whatnot can vary it can be a little bit different. And so, in the rest of the letters, so you know, and and the shape, and if you will, the 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 the, thr- the thrust of the arm, the wrist, if you will, all of that can have a variation on how the letters look. So you set the settings right on these machines and you get the readings right to allow something. But like if I was to sign like somebody else's name, okay, and that wouldn't match at all, okay, because that other person's signature would be totally different. So there would be no similarity. And of course, they wouldn't count it. So the bottom line, unless you, unless you a forger saw it, they saw the signature and try to match it. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is it would make it very hard for, for, for fakers to send in for cheaters to send in mail-in ballots with fake signatures if they had verification machines. These are things that were put in place here in Pennsylvania. And of course, our communist Supreme Court does not require us to verify signatures. Now, what's compelling to me is the party that is not interested in election accuracy. That's what's compelling to me. It's compelling that the Democrats in this state are not interested at all in accurate elections. They're just not. The people interested in accurate elections are the Republicans. I mean, you know, in this state, the Democrats outnumber us by about 300,000 in the total state. So, you know, it's much more important for Republicans to get the signature verification down than it is for the D's. So that's the way they see it. So they, they see it as a as a protection of their position, if you will, of power and politics by saying, no, nah, we won't we won't do this with signatures. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of. Uh, of, of uh, I want to say uh, a lot of um, uh, standards that are being broken here. There's a lot of 
new precedents being set. And it's not just in ballot signatures and whatnot, but it's also in the no justice system and how these how these um, these these um, these indictments are going. I mean, election interference is very obvious. So what's really compelling and really, really telling is when you go onto the news cycles and you go into the news cycles and you check the news channels out. They're all slobbering over themselves, literally slobbering over themselves breathlessly. Okay, going after the fact that Donald Trump has a has a has an arrest photo. I mean, they just they, they just can't get over it. They're so thrilled about it. I mean, they're 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 apoplectic with joy, and every one of them is overlooking the fact that this is election interference. This is what's telling to me. You know, if the Democrats and, and I would say this again, if we were doing this to oh Biden, and literally as much as I. I think O'Biden oh, is, is out to ruin this country with his incompetency and his mediocrity. I would not. I would not want election interference on him. I just think it's very compelling. And a lot of what's going on with the Hunter Biden, um, with the Hunter Biden um, um, uh, investigations and whatnot, and the call for these investigations has to do with the fact that the Democrats were holding up these investigations because they controlled Congress for the first two years of O'Biden's oh, presidency. So they would not allow investigations on Hunter Biden. There was no real investigation. So the fact that we have investigations going on now are the result of the fact there were no real investigations. So the Republicans aren't guilty of election interference trying to do Hunter Biden and uh, tr- trying to do Hunter Biden investigations and Joe o. Biden investigations and the, the Biden crime family. Right? They, they're uncovering all of that. So the Republicans aren't guilty of election interference because, I mean, of the timing of it. That the timing of it is a result of the fact that Republicans were were prevented from doing any investigation until they got control of the House. On the other hand, okay, the indictments from the Democrats and these the Democrat DAs are are the result of election interference. Well, why do I say that? Because the timing's similar, of course, is all having to do with this year or next year. But the fact is, they they were not out of power the first two years. As a matter of fact, they could have brought charges last year on all of this. All of them could have. But they saved all of this for this election cycle. So the evidence-based proof that this is election interference by the Democrats, the election-based pr- the, uh, the evidence-based proof is that they held off when they had when they had what they needed, if you will, for any indictment. I mean, after all. They didn't need anything for this indictment, okay? They didn't have, they don't have anything for the indictment. This is purely political hash, and they're trying election interference. All this is, because there was no crime. That's why they were able to hold off until now. All of this was political theater. If there was a real crime committed, they would have had everything put together. They could have put it all together, and they would have had it, and you'd have a real indictment with real teeth. But all they're going after Trump on any of this is because of what Trump said. This is a freedom of speech uh, hearing. All these hearings are about Trump asking somebody to do something. This is all about Trump asking people to do something. Don't miss that. And so there's no there's no crime in asking somebody to do something. I heard uh, one one of Trump's attorneys make a comment to Chuck U. Todd. It said, Chuck, if, if I was to ask or tell, advise you to not register for the draft because it would result in you going to Vietnam and being killed back in the 70s when you were a child, if you were a teenager, I should say young man, um, and you know, if you had if you had um, adhered to the the advice and you did it, who would be breaking the law, me or you? He said, "Well, you you can't ask me that. Well, you can't advise me that." He goes, "Well, that's wrong. I can advise you and ask you to do anything. The illegal the illegality, if you will, is you doing it. Now, if I'm your lawyer and I'm advising you to break the law, then you need to get a lawyer. Okay. But the bottom line is, 
he brought that up. He says, it's, it's not against the law to ask anybody to do anything. So the fact is, what's going on right now in, 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 in this indictment, it's just a big, giant sham show, all of this is. And these debates were a giant sham. See, Trump is up by 40 points in these polls. Trump doesn't need to do these. Even in Pennsylvania, Trump's running a 53% Republican Party. And believe me, Pennsylvania is home of all the rhinos. They're all living on the main line. Uh, I mean, they, they all, the, the rhinos that got behind Josh Shapiro for governor, those guys. The ones that, that prevented Mastriano, our candidate, from getting any money, yeah, those guys. Those same guys. Those same guys that are confident, that are very, they're very happy, okay, and content to come in second in the election race. Those guys, yeah. Yeah, those guys that, that they're content to have the minority power versus the majority power because they don't want to run a race to win. They're content with making deals behind the scenes and enriching their own pockets instead of the pursuit of, of public policy that benefits all Pennsylvanians and all Americans. This is what this is the difference between America first, Trump, and all these other candidates. I mean, the truth of it is, is Trump's main priority is good public policy for the country. What's best for the middle class? What's going to drive the pursuit of happiness more in Americans? And what's going to put a wet blanket on the pursuit of happiness more in Americans? See, Trump will steer clear of those policies and steer towards the policies that benefit the lives and pursuit of happiness of Americans. For instance, Joe Biden right now is, is uh, debating whether or not to, uh, to get oil from Venezuela. To give you uh, all of our listeners an understanding of Venezuela right now, it is a communist country. We we know that, okay? We know that, and we know that uh, you know Venezuela uh, basically is just a it's just a you know it's like a communist regime, if you will, over there. Maduro, okay? We know that the Maduro regime is is going to have another sham election in twenty four twenty four, and you know it, it's just expected to take place, and you know, and it'll be crooked as always, okay? But what nobody's mentioning is the fact that Maduro has invited the Chinese. The Chinese are are setting up shop in Venezuela. The Chinese are setting up operations in Venezuela. Trust me, the Chinese are getting into this hemisphere. Venezuela and in Cuba, they're doing this in Cuba as well. Uh, the Chinese are setting up shop in this hemisphere, okay? And that's happening, okay? So the fact that, oh, Biden would consider giving Venezuela the the, the income, if you will, of, of, of oil purchases is is unbelievably a con- it's it's, he's unconscious to even think that that's a good idea. I mean, any fifth grader would say, why don't we drill our own here instead of going there? Why don't we Why don't we increase production here? Why don't we build more refineries here? Why don't we increase our capacity here? I know. Let's get with our energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm, and ask her what kind of public policy can she come up with to increase our energy output? What is our energy policy? If you would ask Jennifer Granholm and Joe O'Biden what our energy policy is, they would say our energy policy is electric cars, by the way, the batteries of which are made in China. Our energy policy is uh, windmills, by the way, most of the components being built in China and some in Germany. Uh, they would, If you would ask them what their energy policy is, they would say high gas prices to push people into electric cars. This is their public policy. Their public policy is to outlaw gas motors, to outlaw effective, ineff- effective, efficient energy, and to bring about and force the force the economic uh, system into an ineffective, inefficient energy, or to give the effective, efficient energy only to so, only to certain people, like those that can afford it. Okay, 
to kill the gas and oil industry. That's their plan. That's their energy policy. Now, make no mistake about it, folks. This is their energy policy. How in the world that did not come out in debates is unbelievably beyond me. Well, this is the Democrats. This is what they do. Okay. Here in Pennsylvania, they, we have, uh, we have uh, gas reserves under our feet. I believe we have, if we were a country, we would have the third highest amount of gas reserves. If we were a country, third or fourth highest largest amount of reserves in gas, natural gas than anywhere else in the world. Okay. But we're a state. Well, make no mistake, we have more natural gas reserves than most anywhere else. This is money underneath our feet. This is money that can help a growing economy. This is money that can help get rid of school taxes, uh, that are the school, uh, the property taxes, which are funding our schools in the state. I mean, yes, if you live outside of Pennsylvania, you heard it right. Pennsylvania funds its schools through property taxes. Now, that is unbelievably dumb, and we do here. We, we, we fund our schools through property taxes. Not sales taxes, not income taxes, not school taxes, but property taxes. They're all built on property assessments. So, for instance, here in Berks County, our county commissioners were running, and the Berks County GOP actually got with our county commissioners to get a commitment from them because they're likely to win because the Democrats cannot win in Berks County. But, I mean, uh, to get a commitment that we will not have property reassessments in Berks County. We actually made that happen. Berks County citizens. So along, although every county around us is doing reassessments in this fantastic real estate market, if you will, I mean, this inflated market in real estate, uh, we won't be doing it here in Berks County. And, and I'm thankful for that. But again, what it comes down to is we're funding schools through property taxes. That's just a horrible way of funding schools because sometimes these taxes uh, can be five, $600 a month on an average home in the suburbs. Um, in Montgomery County, it's even more than that because it's based on the value of the home. It's just unbelievable. Some of these families pay seven, eight, nine hundred dollars a month in taxes for schools. Now, most of it is ranged between, you know, Berks County as well, between, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's around the five hundred, six hundred dollar mark. But you do have pockets where taxes are just through the roof. Um, and reassessments are a way of recalibrating, it, just a way of, of, of dropping the assessment uh, millage, if you will and uh, giving them upside in the school board. See, the school boards actually assess the millage for the, or set the millage rates for the schools. So, you know, they, they can do that in, here, here in Pennsylvania. So they could be using, getting back to what we're talking about, they could be using the money, the revenue from the gas industry to offset that and actually give every Pennsylvanian, of which about 80% of them own their home, or maybe not much, it's probably... Uh, Probably close to 65% of Pennsylvania owns their residence. That's a pretty high number. I mean, when you get into the cities, it's a little different because of all the rentals that go on. But uh, people that actually live in a home, let, let's just do this. I'll say if you take the renters out of the picture, homeowners, okay, that are either paying a mortgage or own their home, it is close to 70, 80%. Uh, I mean, in Berks County alone, <clears throat> I can tell you, they, they actually have about a thousand home sales a year. Well, Berks County has over 200,000 homes, residents, okay? So obviously two, a thousand is, you know, it's it's not even 1%, okay? It's a half a percent. So if you did this over 20 years, it would end up being 10,000 homes, okay, in Berks County. Well, out of a couple of hundred thousand, 10,000 is 5% of the homes. <clears throat> so I would submit to you that most of the homes in Berks County, because I know, because I know it's sold and bought and sold. Most of them are owned. They just are. 
I would submit probably 80% of them are owned, of, of, of residents where not apartments and not apartment renters, not home renters, but mortgages. Either people have a mortgage or have paid off their mortgage. In other words, who own the home they live in. It's a very high number. So they're the ones that suffer with reassessments and these property taxes and, and the leverage. And so many of these people retire on fixed incomes. And literally, they're living on $2,000 a month or less, probably $1,500 a month in Social Security. They go out and they get part-time jobs to make another 2000 or so a month, 1500 a month. So they, they bring in about three, 4000 a month. And quite honestly, they're trying to live on that. Well, I don't know about you folks. Are they going to pay taxes on that? I mean, it's very hard to do when you're paying $600 a month for a house for taxes. I don't know how they do it. I mean, when you pay off your home, you still got the taxes every year, which go up. So you got people that have paid off their homes and they want to live in their homes and live out the rest of their life in their home that can't afford to do it because the taxes keep going up and they're on a fixed income. All right. So, I mean, quite literally, they could be taking home, just say for grins and giggles, they're taking home 3000 a month. But they're putting $600 into taxes every month. Okay, so that leaves them about $2,400 to pay the rest of their bills with to live on. And again, you've got other bills to pay. Electric, um, you know, energy costs, if you will. <clears throat> Not to mention the costs of, of transportation. Okay, the repair on an automobile, whatever it is. Right? Upkeep on the home, upkeep on their clothing, upkeep on their life. Life happens. They got to eat. They got to, you know, they, 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 they want to pursue some sort of a retirement happiness. I mean, for retired couples here in Pennsylvania that are living on these fixed incomes, I mean, a, a day out, a, a night out on a Friday night at, a, at an Italian restaurant where a husband and wife can go eat for 40 or 50 bucks is a big deal to them, you know? And I mean, those that are listening to my voice right now, many people hearing on the main line, that's a drop in the ocean to that. It really is. I mean, you got families that go on cruises every summer. They go on, they go on expensive, elaborate vacations multiple times a year, Okay. And yet you've got people that are, that are trying to struggle living paycheck, I guess you say living month to month. So the Democrats are forcing these high, these, 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 these taxes, they're forcing the, the, they're basically forcing, you know, Americans to pursue misery. Okay. That if you want to live in Pennsylvania, you're going to have what we call a misery index. You're going to have, uh, well, you're not going to have as much of your money. And so you, you can make it more expensive to live. So, you know, getting back to what we're talking about, this is the way the Democrats are. These are the perspectives that come out in debates. This is what comes out in debates. This is what Americans want to see. They want to see the contrast. You see, what's really compelling is if you were to see the, the actual contrast between a Republican, American first Republican, and a Jacobin revolutionary communist Democrat, a green Cretan from the, green, the land of green Cretans, I would submit, folks, that the contrast would be so distinct, it would be like, it would be like Darth Vader against Luke Skywalker, okay? That would be what you'd be looking at for those that are familiar with the old Star Wars. The contrast between Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. The dark and the light. <clears throat> it's really the contrast between good and evil. It's the contrast. The contrast is very, very plain. And Americans would see it. But what's amazing in a reprobate society is you've got people who can't see past that contrast. They can't see it. they got people that can't see the contrast. You've got people that are shaken off truth a long time ago and and all they all they watch for is the is the uh, you know the daily the daily shuffle by the media the shell games that go on every day the fake experts that come on and the sensationalism of the news now we didn't talk about this but we will talk about this on the watchman because we had a great show last week on the hawaiian fires and i'm going to make some more comparisons today on the hawaiian fires 
but I'll tip my hand off on this a little bit for our listeners, for the Watchmen. You know, it's really compelling. I said last week about you know what, what a mediocre government, what mediocracy looks like and what meritocracy looks like. And I was making comparisons with the Great Chicago Fire in 1871 and city government and the meritocracy that existed then and the effective, efficient firefighters with their horse-drawn carriages and manual water pumps that they had to hand pump by themselves to put out that 2,200 2, of acres, of burning acres, if you will, of fire, and, you know, you know 17,000 buildings that burned down. They put out that fire at 24 hours, okay? And how in Hawaii it burned on for 10 days. Well, um, I was talking about the incompetency of today's government versus the, the competency of, of a government 150 years ago. It's the truth, folks. And then you can see it in contrast if you look at that. But we're going to get more into that in the next show. I, I'm just tipping my hand a little bit on that today for this because we spent all day talking about the other items. But, you know, when you're looking at a, a mediocre government, you're looking at people that have jobs for 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 reasons other than merit, for re, any other, any any reason other than merit. I mean, reasons for reasons that they were born with, they have no control over. Um in business, you want success. You promote people that can produce something. They, they can figure problems out, solve problems, work with people, and accomplish and achieve. Um, if you want effective, efficient government, you want people who can figure things out, who can make decisions on the fly, who can handle public crisis. These are things that you want. Today, with the mediocrity, mediocrity, you have people that are in positions that they're not competent and capable of handling. But they got the positions not for the reasons of capability, but for reasons that they were born with. And I think that that's just telling. And as Americans, we see that. But getting to back what we're talking about here, I mean, this is what you're seeing every day in government. And so when when Americans are going to vote, they're not getting that contrast. And there's just, just not. You know, Romans 1 talks about the reprobate mind. Romans talks about what happens in a reprobate society. Now, minds can't make sense of sensibility anymore. Well, that's where you're at today. I mean, when you have the people of this country that believe, that actually believe that uh, it's good public policy to have high gas prices, that it's okay to force people out of their homes or high property taxes, that it's, you know, that the misery index being high is okay for some people, but, you know, it's it's okay. People just have to adjust. I mean, when you see that, I mean, when you when you see people who actually think it's okay to be over in the Ukraine, and giving more armament to the Ukrainians when there's nobody left to fight in the Ukraine. There's no soldiers left to fight with in the Ukraine. Okay, that's a fact that has been going on here. They've lost hundreds of thousands of soldiers, and they're decimated. They have nobody left to fight with, and yet we're going to be putting F-16s over there. I mean, this is what we're talking about. We have to ask ourselves, why is this happening? How is this happening? You know, and I think going into what we talked about, I think we have to realize it's happening because mediocracy is screaming down the lane here. And what happens in a mediocracy is you end up with people who can't make these decisions. We all have to live by it. We have to suffer with it. So when Santa California says, we're going to outlaw gas cars by 2035, and people vote for that, did they really vote for that? Or are they just voting for the party because they're they're part of the group think left that, uh, that blindly follows anybody? Okay. This is what we're talking about as Americans. I mean, we don't want to blindly follow anybody. We want to follow based upon uh, the leader's ability to convince us of the merits of their public policy. And what you're not getting right now is you're not getting, you're getting a pursuit, if you will, of of, of fake news. I mean, the, the people that are pretending to be the, the noble carriers of truth in the media are actually bringing us fake news 
and they're not pursuing any truth. They're like the Pharisees that were trying, they were calling Jesus, you know, honest and a good teacher and, you know, all truth comes from him and he's able to speak all truth. And as they sent him up with all of that, they turned around and said, should we be paying taxes to Rome? That's kind of a paraphrase of it, but that's what they asked. And then Jesus took the took a hold of the denarius, which no no good Pharisee would have on him. He wouldn't no no good Pharisee would have a denarius on them. No no religious Jew would have ever have Roman money in their pockets. But he asked and he got a he got a denarius, a Roman denarius from somebody, and he saw Caesar's picture on it, and he said, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Just give it to him. If it says take he can have it. Thought was very compelling on that because he saw through them and he said, you're a brood of vipers. He said, this is, you're trying to, this, you're trying to trick me. You're not being honest and sincere in, in, in your, in your pretense of looking for truth. Your, 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 your claim of looking for truth is simply a, a hoax and you're lying and uh, you, you don't want the truth. Well, that's the way it is right now in the media today. We're seeing people who do not want the truth. They don't want it. And so when they when Trump's indicted and they're all fawning all over themselves as to, okay, Trump's got all these legal troubles now, they can't wait to talk about it. But the fact is, he doesn't have the legal troubles. He's just got legal distractions. Because what this is, is nothing more. This is not a pursuit of, this is not a pursuit, this investigation was not a pursuit of justice for a crime that took place. This investigation was in pursuit of a distraction for an election that is taking place. Make no mistake about it. That's what we have. And that is the truth, folks, that you can bank on in Denver. Folks, we have to leave it there. Thanks to all of our listeners for being with us today. Uh, tune in next week uh, as we have another show of the point. We've been doing this for five years. Uh, folks, we appreciate your tuning in every Saturday morning. And again on Saturday afternoon for our half-hour show, The Watchman. Tune in for our 30-minute show coming up in a few hours. Be here for that. We're going to talk a little bit about the Hawaiian fire, what's going on there, and the comparisons and the lawsuit that's out there. But folks, again, thanks for being with us. See you next week on The Point. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.